What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What up, Chaz? What up, Chris? What up, Liquor Nation? Got another good one for all you fans of the purple and gold today. How did the Lakers dig out a win? Did AD show he was back? Is Marcus all becoming a fixer? And should Braun sit out the rest of the season? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms. We're on Instagram at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. And we're also on Twitter at Showtime underscore Forum. So be sure to follow us on that and on all streaming platforms as well at Showtime Forum. And of course, you can always follow us on our website, the showtimeforum.com. That's the T-H-E showtimeforum.com. Chaz, what a week. (laughs) I tell you, okay, Lakers come back home. Tough road trip. Things not looking good. Got spanked by the Washington Wizards, who, by the way, looking really good. Russell Westbrook looking... I would almost say he's sort of catapulted himself into an MVP conversation. I'm not saying he'll be a finalist, but he's looking really good. I mean, he's carrying that Washington club right now. So you lose to the wizards. Okay. No big deal. End of road trip playing. Well, it was disappointing, but at the same point in time, it's Washington. They've been hot, right? No problem. Right. Right. You come back home. You figure LeBron's coming back. The King is back. I know our Showtime Forum Slack thought it was like seeing water in the desert with LeBron James coming back on Friday night against the lowly Sacramento Kings. No De'Aaron Fox, no Harrison Barnes coming off a 49-point home loss to the Utah Jazz. You figure this is going to be Spanktown, USA, population Sacramento Kings, or as Shaq would say back in the day, Sacramento Queens, Queens. Um, Lakers up 10. In the fourth quarter, unmitigated disaster, meltdown completely. Bad offense, bad defense. Sacramento got anything and everything that they wanted. Everybody was making big shots. Nobody was making anything for the Lakers. Very disappointing loss. All right? So now the concern meter starts to come up a little bit. But still, no one's panicking. Toronto, Sunday Sunday night, no Fred Van Vliet. No, uh, who else were they missing in that game? No Gary Trent Jr., the perennial Laker killer. But they did have Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, and they dominated the Lakers, especially in the second half. No, uh, LeBron James does not play the final six minutes of that game. Now all of a sudden, Chaz, disaster looms, right? Disaster looms. Three straight losses. That should have been three straight wins. Shorthanded opponents. Some, some of them not going to make the playoffs. Some of them fighting for dear life for a playing spot. And the Lakers, even with their stars back, are sliding. Like, I didn't understand how the Lakers got so bad so quickly. Lost six of their last seven as well. Yeah. Leading, le- leading up to last night uh, against the Nuggets. But overall, it was a good win. It was a good win. They, they were able to pull it out and – that's the beauty of the, of the NBA and professional sports, right? You're, you're able to, to get it back very quickly, especially this season when you're, when you're playing every other day, if not back-to-back, like the Lakers are playing their final and closing the, the final stretch of the season, playing three back-to-backs. This is the first time since 2000 that the Lakers are going to close the season on a back-to-back on the road in <laughs> yeah. Indiana 
and New Orleans uh, in a couple weeks. So um, the fact that they were able to pull off the win against the the Denver Nuggets is huge because right. going into the game, they were actually in a three-way tie with Portland and Dallas. And after winning that game, they sit solely in the fifth seed uh, with the games against the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers and a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday looming. So and now, right. And uh, no, exactly. So big stretch coming up, a lot of playoff caliber teams, a lot of potential playoff matchups as well that you may see down the road. So now you're going to have to kind of tread these waters yet again without two key contributors. So LeBron James, it was good to see him, but it was a, uh, it was like a George Costanza premature exit. I'm going to go out on top. <laughs> so he goes out general soreness. They're calling on that high ankle sprain. I doubt that he's a hundred percent. He didn't look bad in, in either game, but you could tell that he didn't look like LeBron James. And I mean, you miss that much time. You have a, a significant injury on your ankle. It's going to take some time to come back. So now the Lakers are really practicing a lot of precaution with LeBron because they feel at this point, we're likely going to make the playoffs in some regard. We don't know if it's going to be the plan or being part of the top six in, in one of those spots. But to compound the problem, now you're without Dennis Schroeder, who for the second time this season is out due to potential exposure to COVID and what they're calling health and safety protocols. But Chaz, given the timeline, this sounds to me like he might have tested positive, might have come oh, no down with, with the illness. They're saying he's going to be out 10 to 14 games. He's already missed the last two against Toronto and Denver. So this is a very is going to be a very interesting seven-game stretch here where you're playing some tough opponents and you are not going to be at full strength yet again. And you just don't know what you're going to get out of this team. But I say all that to say that Monday night win against the Denver Nuggets was significant. I mean, they needed that one in the worst way because there was not a lot to feel good about over the last two weeks. No, but but here's the thing. They actually played with some aggression and some assertiveness instead of going through the motions. And it was actually led by Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis came out. He had 16 points in that first half. He was aggressive. He was assertive. He was taking all kinds of shots that we saw him not taking. And he was either shooting short or long on. And he was able to get to his spots and shoot all around the floor. And he even knocked down a couple three-pointers as well. So Anthony Davis played well, and he was the leader, rightfully so. I thought the ball movement was great. I thought KCP's hustle, even coming off of a sprained ankle. Oh, he's been great the last month. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. He's been great. great. Yeah. Yeah, KCP's been great. Even Cruz, he hasn't been like a standout star. And that's kind of been like the disappointment, honestly, for me. Um, has been coups trouble in paradise jazz or what no I just I just I would have <laughs> I, I just would have thought that with LeBron and AD out he would have at least averaged more points and or had more impact on the offensive side of the ball on a more consistent basis but either way he's he's been he's been solid overall and the fact of the matter is that we had a really a surprise performance from Marc Gasol and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show but he was Definitely. really the one that kicked that carried the Lakers in the most opportune time when Andre Drummond came down with four, got his fourth foul with about two and a half minutes to go in the first half. So the fact that we were able to to get um, unexpected production from somebody who's technically our third string center, uh, as well as other people like THT who made a key play at the end of the game with getting the ball back off of a tip from Mark Gasol and and put and laying it in on top of, on top of having, you know, KCP play, play hard and everybody else chip in where they 
getting where they fit. And even Keith um, has has played, you know, played uh, a great game. He hasn't really sh- shot the ball very well. Hasn't made a three since a, April 17th, by the way. He, he hasn't. But <laughs> between between Keith and Trez and Caruso, who had great plays and is back after experiencing back back spasms, he's you know, we all played together like a team. So this win last night on Monday night kind of reminded me of the type of win that the Lakers had against Brooklyn where they just needed a win. It wasn't expected and they pulled it off. Do I think the Lakers are going to be so as fortunate to close the rest of this week out with against the Clippers and the Portland trailblazers. I'm not feeling as confident about that. We'll get into that a little bit more as well, but overall, I just, I just like the fact that we, that we're fighting. We're not, you know, giving up. I'm a little bit worried about our leader, but I just like the fact that we are solely in position of the, for the fifth seed. And we have a championship team with Anthony Davis that's starting to play better and find his footing and really get his wind in his legs about him. Game wind and legs because there's no practice time. So you can't really like run up and down or anything like that. So as far as in a five on five or a three on three scrimmage. So I, I feel confident about the fact that of our chances, I just don't like matchups so far to close the season in this next, you know, maybe three, four game stretch. Yeah. And it is going to be a tough three to four game stretch. That's you're not kidding when you say that, but going back to Monday night's win, it was significant. And really there's been so many issues with this team defensively. They haven't looked good on defense for a while. And yet I'm, I'm constantly hearing they're the number one or number two ranked defense in the league, but it's like, I honestly think this is those are examples of when stats don't tell the whole story. My eyes are telling me that it's a layup line out there for Laker opponents that they are pick and rolling them to death, dribble drive penetration. uh, That's leading to a breakdown in the defense, forcing the bigs to come over. And then what is that leading to dunks, layups, free throws, open threes. So their inability to get stops, especially in critical moments of the game has really led to their dysfunction and and their struggles of late offensively Lakers haven't really been great offensively all season long and to be quite honest last night Chaz there was another mere collapse you're up 14 I mean first of all let me just say this that win was was great no question about it Denver by the way just in case you all didn't know they lost Jamal Murray they they won nine out of ten without Jamal Murray and hottest team, and the Lakers and the Lakers seem to catch the hottest team at the worst times all the always, time this season. Always, Go ahead. likely the MVP, Nikola Jokic, one of my favorite players, highly skilled big man. You've got a great collection of role players. Aaron Gordon's played really well. Michael Porter Jr. stepped up. That guy Compazzo is the second coming of JJ Barea. Good heady, a European player, and they didn't even also have uh, Chaz Will Barton. You know, Jonathan and I were talking about that. They didn't have yeah. Will Barton in in that game, so you still didn't know what to expect because Denver has a lot of guys that can make plays for them. Jamichael green, uh, uh, JaVale McGee played well, former Laker got his ring. That was a great moment for him last night because I thought in all aspects, he was a, a true champion for the Lakers, not just what he did on the court, but when he was asked to not play and was still the first guy off the bench to support his teammates, love the character, love the personality of JaVale McGee. And of course, I wish him the best of luck moving forward uh, in his career. I do. Yeah. yeah. So, Happy to see JaVale last yeah, night. So, I mean, but still, he, he played really well also. And, and PJ Dozier. So that's another guy. So Denver, even though on paper, you look at them, you say without Murray, without Barton, without some of these guys, they're not as scary yet. They've still been finding ways to win ball games. So from that aspect, it was a nice win. 
However, when you're up 14, Chaz, half a quarter to go, you're playing this great defense, right? You, you got different guys stepping up. Wesley Matthews had a nice game. We're going to get into Marcus All in a moment. THT made some big plays in the fourth quarter. Uh, that Really, that second unit gave them a nice spark. And yet, it was almost all for naught. A lot of things had to go the Lakers' way in order to dig out that four-point win. A big offensive foul on Compazzo that would have led to a Michael Porter Jr. three. THC with a wild out of control shot. Had it not been for a Gasol deflection, like you mentioned, THC now puts the game away with the layup. But still, I hate seeing this ticker, Chaz. Zero field goals over the last five minutes. And during this horrid stretch where they've lost six out of seven, seven of nine overall, that has been a common theme. In addition to their porous defense, these prolonged scoring droughts where they're up big or the game is close and the game either gets away from them or the lead gets blown quickly because they cannot put the ball in the basket. And last night, it almost cost them the game again. So let me just finish with this and I'll turn it right back over to you. When I have to hear crap in the slack, oh, you're being a hater, you're a negative, this and that. I'm being real, man. I'm not hating on anything. That was a nice win but it was way too close com- for comfort and you almost blew it because you couldn't find a way to score and put the game away. I'm not saying you had to blow them out by 25 points, but at least keep a six to seven, eight point margin. And the way you do that is by finding different ways to score. So yes, I was annoyed that that game almost got blown and, and Denver would have gotten an undeserving win because the Lakers couldn't take care of their business. Tell me how you really feel, dog. I like it. I like it. I, in fact, I love it because I agree wholeheartedly. If you notice, there's maybe one person in there that doesn't get on you for your comments, and that would be me. Because thank you, brother. I I, I agree with you 100. Here's the thing: they the Lakers have players back from the championship team last year, but this isn't a championship team. We've seen it. And here's the reason why, and, and just to answer your question really quick, your rhetorical question, actually, but I'll just answer it directly. The Lakers don't have a player that can control the pace of the game. That's the reason why leads get blown so much, because they're so quick to be able to take the ball out the net and try and get up fast and get up the court fast, make bad decisions, take early threes. Right. Ben Malcolm Moore, love the kid, but the green light is a little bit too green for me um in in certain respects as well as you know trying to push the ball at all times this is where rondo you miss rondo right now yes why because rondo is controlling the pace for certain stretches of 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 parts of the game can he play 28 32 minutes and be as consistent as he once was 10 years ago or even five years ago absolutely not but for two three four five minute stretches the same amount of stretches that the lakers go through where they can't score for, for four or five minutes at a time, Rondo with LeBron out would have been so helpful because you would think that Schroeder would be able to, to do that when he was playing before he entered the uh, COVID protocols. Um, hopefully he's okay, feeling all right. Um, yeah. But obviously he doesn't control the pace of the game. That's not what he does, no. right? He's more he's more of a – He's you a know, bucket getter. Like yeah, he's a but he's more like a you know like a gunslinger, like a quarterback that's just gonna take chances all the time. He's not really gonna play it conservatively. 
Um, and you like that aggressiveness from him, but he's not going to control the pace of the game like a LeBron or a Rondo would. And when you don't have either of those guys on the floor, that's why a 12-point lead can evaporate into three or four in five quick possessions because you're you know, taking the ball out of the net, trying to push it up, not getting anything, not setting anything up. And we've seen it time and time and time again. So um, the only stability that we really have is on the perimeter from that point uh, would be LeBron James and with him being out and him not being able to explode or even, you know, do hard cuts like Woj has reported earlier today. Um, you know, it's just going to be tough to be able to generate that kind of points, those points and that kind of production. I even see AD getting the ball up top. Like he's still a point guard. Like he was in middle school trying to do a pick and roll with Andre Drummond. And I just, I cringed when I saw that. I was like, man, yeah, that's not, we, we, we are down bad right now. We are running pick and rolls with our four and our five, man. Right. At the top of the key. So, um, yeah, hopefully Vogel and the coaching staff learned a little bit from that, not to run that anymore, because that was probably the least productive set that they had all of the night, the other but, night. But, but, but Anthony Davis, speaking of productive, there was nothing least productive about his performance. That might have been the no. best he's looked since he came back. I mean, he had a decent performance in Orlando. But those last three games, he looks he looked bad. And a lot of people were calling him out. A lot of people calling him soft. And then there was a comparison with Kelly Olenek. I mean, it's obvious that this guy is not where he needs to be. I'm not saying he's not healthy, but he's definitely rusty. And last night, or Monday night, I should say, what we saw from Anthony Davis was a sense of assertiveness and aggression that was necessary. Like, you know what? Enough's enough give me the ball, get out of the way, or do as I say. I've got to step up now. There's no LeBron here, so th- now it comes on my shoulders. This is why you yeah, brought you, me here. And this you is know what you- I saw? Go ahead. I, I saw him. I saw. I saw him go off of a uh, off of a pick. Like he 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 went against the pick in the first quarter, crossed over from right to left, and went straight to the basket and went for a layup. And I was like, okay. AD might be back a little bit because that was the first time I saw him make a cut move from the three-point line and get all the way to the basket untouched based off of, you know, his quickness and his agility. I hadn't seen him make a move like that. It was either coming off of a pass right. or coming off of a, re- off of a rebound, not him creating it himself. And once I saw that, um, that kind of perked my eyes, my ear, my eyebrows up. And, um, and he was able to finish with, I believe, 26 points of, five rebounds no some I'm sorry seven rebounds um and three blocks as well so he played he, he played he, a really good ball game and those were game. meaningful points he did a great job defensively and he made a big shot he made a big floater and then of course Compazzo going out for the three to try to make it a one-point game he he gets an arm out there partially blocks it Lakers come up with a loose ball secure the win so he willed the Lakers to win slapping his chest saying I'm back. I'm back. And I hope this is my hope. Can you build on this? Not just on the win itself as a team. Obviously I, I, I always tell you, I can't remember the last time the Lakers won two in a row. It's been at least a month, if not six weeks since the last time they won consecutive games. So yes, right. there's that aspect, but I would like to see Anthony Davis build on this win, because I tell you with no LeBron playing in these next two games and who knows when he comes back, if he's coming back for the regular season, this is the type of tone you're going to have to set. You want to be the leader? You want to have the keys to, to the car? That's how you got to play. 
every yeah. night. You can't pick and choose. Hey, tonight I'm going to be on it, but tomorrow I'm just going to kind of mull it and do enough. No, those days are done. Yeah. If you're healthy enough to play Anthony Davis, you've got to set the tone and be the leader for, for this team. And I hope that the coaching yeah. staff and, and, and the players are even saying, Hey man, we need you to step up. And if you do that, we will all be right behind you. We will follow you anywhere. Just be the guy leading the charge. So that begs the question as we get into our next topic, is the real AD back or almost back at least? I would say almost. I would say almost because here's the thing, Chaz. It, it's assertiveness. I, you know, he said it himself. He's not thinking about the injury. So why it, it, was it just a conditioning issue? Is it a rust issue? But here's the thing. Rust to me is not making shots that you normally make. Rust to me is maybe not having the same type of explosion. And so you got to adjust to that. You got to work up to that. Those are all understandable things. Rust to me is not playing with the half-ass, is not playing with the half-ass effort. Rust to me is not being assertive. Rust to me does not mean, you know, those things where you're, how do I put this? It, it doesn't give you an excuse to not be aggressive. You have got to be assertive and aggressive out there. You remember Rondo? That first game he came back, I, I want to say it was in the latter part of the oh. Portland series. And we were saying, Was it Rondo, after he broke his hand? Yeah. Right. And he came back to the playoffs. And we were, and we were saying, yeah. like, why is Rondo shooting so much? Rondo stopped shooting. I mean, I was even saying that. But it wasn't for a lack of aggression, right? It wasn't for a lack of, assert, a, a lack of assertiveness. That is what we need to see from Anthony Davis. Okay. Just because you're rusty doesn't mean you can't still go out there and set a hard, tough, mean type of tone to your opponents and be like, Hey man, you ain't going to get the drop on me on me tonight. I tell you, Pascal Siakam whooped him on, on Sunday night. Whooped, whooped him. him. I mean, him. Oh my God. Kuz did not want none against Pascal. Well, I mean, night. Kuzma, my only issue with Kuzma, man, as much as I know you like him, he is not a good perimeter defender against other long agile athletic wings he that's just not his strength put him up nope. against a guard he's got an advantage you put him up against somebody his size including a guy like michael porter jr they're gonna find ways to score around coos he's just not a great defender against basically his right. own peers that's my only issue but anthony right. davis a guy that we thought should have won defensive player of the year for you to get whooped on like that by spicy p who has kind of had a down year that was inexcusable siakam looked like it's kevin garnett p. Siakam looked like Kevin Garnett, dude. He looked like Kevin Garnett and Anthony Davis looked like, uh, you know, he should have been the 12th man off somebody's bench. That was the contrast. Uh, Chaz, if you covered their names on Sunday night, you would think that Anthony Davis had the Siakam performance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Now. So that was inexcusable to me. Yeah, it it was, but I, I think he got tired of the comparisons and the chatter and he's been back. It'll be two weeks on Thursday, right? No, three weeks. Because his first game back was against uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. Albeit, it's going to be three in, weeks. It's going to be three weeks coming oh, up. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe it'll be. So he's he's got to turn the corner this week. He's I got agree, to, man. I agree. Yeah, he's got so- to. Like you get you get a, you get maybe about two three games for rust. Another two three games for conditioning and wind. After after about six, seven, 
eight games Even after coming still, back from injury. Those aren't excuses for a questionable motor. Yeah, he, That's all yeah, I'm yeah. saying. You cannot use those a, as, as an excuse to not hold your teammates accountable 80, defensively. 80's been tentative all season, though, to be honest. It hasn't been I there. Think, it's been a down year, I, no question. I, I've, I, I'd actually argue that next year, depending upon how the Lakers finish and if he, you know, gets out of the playoffs, you know, healthy and without needing, you know, surgery or anything like that, AD could be the leading MVP candidate at the start of next season. It's coming off of a full rest um, of an off season since the league will be looking to get back to that. I'll, I'll be pounding my chest on that um, all off season after this year, because I think once he gets a, a full amount of rest and, and a full off season, right. um, I think this, this, 71 days in between seasons has done i mean it's done bad for everybody but specifically um lakers AD, and heat even more yeah. so than lebron lakers and heat but even like yeah. if you take a if you p- had to pick two players that it was worse for it was lebron and ad sure and i'd argue it would be worse for ad more so than lebron to be honest so for sure yeah because ad has been more injury prone throughout his career i mean let's be honest what happened to lebron was a freak occurrence that was we it wasn't LeBron didn't injure his ankle because of excessive mileage. Like I know Nick Hamilton and Jackie, they wanted to point that out. See, this is why you got to sit him and stuff. No, that could have happened at any point in time. That's a freak occurrence. Kobe Bryant landing on Andrew Bynum. That was a freak occurrence, right? Oh, don't remind me. No, but I'm uh, saying, I'm saying though, that hear- wasn't Bynum did not hurt his knee that year in 09 because of excessive mileage. You know what I mean? That was a freak occurrence. Somebody landed on him. I yeah. No, oh I don't man, Kobe Kobe that. was so dejected after that. He was oh yeah. man, I'll never I'll never forget those Bynum screams. Like you could hear him screaming through the TV, man. A- yeah, and AD's injury. You uh, also let's not forget AD injured his heel ankle area in the final games of that finals against Miami. And who knows if he was ever 100%, but there was just something off about him all season long. And it almost felt like that Achilles injury was a culmination of everything, the struggles, maybe some lingering effects, fatigue, whatever the case may be. So that's what happened. That wasn't a freak occurrence. LeBron's was a freak occurrence. Now, was it maybe aided by excessive mileage, short off season? Maybe I'm not a doctor. I'm sure it didn't help, but the way, I mean, if you watch that replay of Solomon Hill rolling up on LeBron's ankle, you knew right away, this was caused by Solomon Hill, not because LeBron is playing a lot of games and a lot of minutes in a, in a condensed season. So that's the, that's the difference of the situation. So I agree with you on that, that the shortened off season and this condensed season has had a more negative effect on AD's body overall than LeBron's. So I, I, I think that's a very astute point. So going back to our original question, is he back? I'm going to say, yeah, but I'm going to wait until these next two games to see how assertive, aggressive, and, uh, and explosive he is. He's still on the way to me, but I think over these next three games, AD could average 30 against the Clippers, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Phoenix Suns games Thursday, Friday, and Sunday Man, could, 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 could tough schedule, but when you need it the most, he might, I think he might be able to come through um, and be able to pull it out for us, or at least give us great performances uh, to let us know that he's not on the way he's arrived and he's back. Yeah. 
And he's going to need some help running that offense because your two best playmakers, Dennis Schroeder and LeBron James, are not going to be available and likely won't be available for a while. Schroeder may come back the last weekend of the season uh, against Indiana and New Orleans. We could make the same argument for LeBron James, although it kind of feels like for right now, LeBron is more day-to-day than anything. They're just kind of monitoring that situation. But I'll tell you one guy who can help with the offense and limit the turnovers and make good decisions is Marcus Saul, and Marcus Saul, since the arrival of Andre Drummond, has really turned things around. I think he's found a niche for himself, coming up off the bench, being good in spurts, being good playing uh, a couple of times out of the week, almost kind of like a relief pitcher. Like, hey, we only need you for two, three days out of the week, and then the rest of the time you're you're chilling. But during those times, you better bring it. And Marcus Saul has, and maybe yes. Maybe it took the arrival of Drummond to really put a chip on his shoulder, get him more motivated. Uh, Maybe it's, like I said, adjusting to this new role, coming up off the bench, being good in shorter minutes. But I tell you, the Lakers do not win Monday night's game against Denver without the services of Marcus all both ends of the floor, 10 points, seven rebounds, a couple of assists, knocked down three, three pointers and played some solid defense against the Jokers. So uh, Marcus all starting to remind people, Hey, don't forget, I'm still a, I'm still an all-star. I'm still a defensive player of the year. I'm still a champion. So I, I, I'm not ready to be tossed into the garbage quite yet, like the way the rest of Laker Nation wanted to do me earlier this season. He was plus 17 in 17 minutes, and he was pretty much the, the sole catalyst in spur, sprouting some of these Lakers runs. When he came into the game with two minutes and 22 seconds left in the game in the first half, when Drummond got his fourth foul, the Lakers were down by three points. Over that last two minutes and 22 seconds, the Lakers went up by three, six-point swing, and won that stretch and went into the halftime with a three-point lead. He even uh, was the first center off the bench yeah, pretty much uh, after that, and he pretty much played from the 503 mark to the 603 mark from the third to the fourth quarter, which was one of the longest stretches that he's played all season. And in that time, the Lakers, the Lakers were able to win uh, by six points during that stretch as well. So Marcus all in his plus minus actually proved to be pretty much the a major catalyst because in the 31 minutes that he was off of the floor, the Lakers were outscored by 12 points. So in the time he was on the floor, he was a plus 17 and the Lakers were able to get the win and squeak out a four-point win. So I love the fact that Marcus Saw stays ready. Yeah, um, a true I didn't professional, appreci- by the way. I didn't appreciate his comments at first because I was just like, man, you were just like, can you just read the room? Andre Drummond's better than you. But it, as much as as high as we've been on Drummond, man. Monday night was his worst is he not? Is he not as good as I probably thought? Well, here's maybe, 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 maybe overall he is, but during this stretch, he's missing bunnies. He's getting scored on. He's not blocking shots like I thought he would. He's not quick off of his feet on defense like he is on offense in certain certain respects. He's obviously foul prone because he's, you know, a behemoth in the lane. I mean, there, there's a lot of pluses, but then there's a lot of minuses as well. And it's really all just matchup based for Marcus All. Let me tell you this. Everything you just said were almost identical criticisms to what we had with Marcus All earlier in the season. Isn't that ironic? 
Andre, uh, well, hold, but, 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 but let me, but let me break it down though. Okay. 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 All so right. let me break it down just for a second. So Andre Drummond comes in, we thought, Hey, this guy is going to come in. He's going to provide this, the rebounding, the block shots, uh, clogging up the paint on, on defense. Uh, him and AD are going to provide like a dynamic one, two punch. It's almost going to be like having Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, but an upgrade because this is a guy who could also go out and, and score by himself. And you could put him in screen and roll situations. Here's the issue with Drummond. A couple of things to keep in, uh, in mind. First of all, and I had to remember this, he didn't play for like seven weeks after Cleveland decided, hey, go home True. and don't, don't come back until we've decided what we're going to do. Either trade you or buy you out. That was one. Two, stubs his toe, breaks his toe. First game. So now... You're limited on reps. You're not 100%. You're lacking that explosion. I still doubt if he's 100% with that toe, but who knows? He's out there playing. He's doing the best he can. Three, limited reps. You're coming in midseason to a crappy organization to now one with the title contender. You don't know the defensive schemes. You don't know the offensive schemes. You're trying your best to fit in, right? And you're trying really hard to the point where you're forcing it. He's trying to make this work, not just to help the team win, but let's not forget, Andre Drummond's a free agent at season's end. He's trying to land himself a new contract, either with the Lakers or somewhere else, right? So this is an audition for him to show that I could be a big game player. I could perform with the lights brightest on the biggest stage. So there is an aspect of trying to make that work. And then... Uh, another aspect to this is Marcus Saul has been with this team all season long. Marcus Saul knows the system. Marcus Saul knows the personnel. Marcus Saul is naturally a better playmaker than Andre Drummond. Drummond's a better rebounder, better defensive player. But I think what Gasol has been able to do now has really been able to come up off the bench instead of starting have the ball in his hands more where he could kind of control the pace, control the half court, control the offense, put guys in position. And then if nothing else, make the ball movement more infectious. One of the other aspects to to the offensive struggles at times, especially with LeBron being out, the ball is stuck. There hasn't been as, as the clean, crisp, willing ball movement that we saw earlier in the season. That's why I think Gasol has been better, but Like you said, and this is a good point. I was about to get to this. It's going to be about matchups. You have now three to four big men that can match up with almost anybody. There might be matchups that favor Drummond more than Gasol, right? A a matchup against Rudy Gobert could be better for Andre Drummond than Marc Gasol. Whereas a guy like Joker, clearly as we saw on Monday night, was more favorable to Gasol. And then you might have an undersized big man that you may have to throw Montrezl Harrell out there or Anthony Davis or somebody like that. So... At the end of the day, you're going to have different aspects to this. But I think the issues with Drummond are eerily similar to the issues that Gasol was having. Looks out of shape, getting scored on, foul trouble, looking out of sync, out of sorts. I'm, I'm noticing that with Drummond because he's trying so hard to find out how he fits in with this group, especially with Anthony Davis back and well, before he you know, re-aggravated the injury or with the soreness, LeBron. So it is not easy to try to figure all, thing, all of these things out on both ends of the floor on the fly with limited reps. And I'm not even talking just practice time, limited games. I mean, how many games has Drummond played as a Laker? Maybe 10, 11? 
12? I, uh, I, 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 I believe around played, there. I believe he's played in about 13, if, if I'm not mistaken. But, but all that being said, Chaz, I agree. That was one of the most horrendous performances he's had, not just as a Laker. That might have been the worst performance as a pro. You had more fouls than points. You had no rebounds, three turnovers. That's inexcusable. Yeah, he was just he was just all out of sorts. And when you play a great player like Jokic, like Jokic, he's going to make you look foolish. That yeah. and hey, I just got to get I just got to give it to the guy. Let me just say it now. Jokic is going to win the MVP this year. It's it's pretty it's pretty clear and evident, especially if if he's able to hold on to the 3 seed in which Denver um is holding on to right now. Who would have thought that the Denver Nuggets after losing Jamal Murray went up in the standings after they lost him, not down. And that's just a testament to, you know, Jokic's play, um, Mike Malone's coaching, and the depth of the Denver Nuggets and the great move that they made um, with Aaron Gordon and the resurgence of Michael Porter Jr. Um, they, they don't even have, like you said, Will Barden or even Monty Morris for that matter. And, um, and, I, on, and I forgot this. They, there was no Paul Millsap, too, on Monday night. So they were down yeah. four key players, and they still ha- have been able to, to dig out games. But going back to what I said, what do you think? Do you think I have a point with the Drummond-Gasol type? Yeah, of, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I just don't put as much – I just don't put as much stock into Gasol in certain respects um, because he still was getting olayed on uh, – because his quickness and his agility as far as side to side and his foot speed – for especially guards and and switches and things of that nature. Um, it limits what you can do defensively as far as scheme-wise, um, but what he adds as far as offensively and the spacing uh, for guys like THT, who's been running into walls lately and being able to find ways into the, you know, into the lane um, for other Kuz. players such as Kuz, yeah. right? We both said at the same time, um, and players like KCP um, that are just, you know, that are love to run that horns action that Frank Vogel loves coming off of down picks and screens. And no, nobody better other than LeBron than Marcus Gasol to be able to be the one that uh, issues those passes out from the mid to high post. So um, I outside of playing Portland with Nurkic or uh, Denver with Jokic, I don't see any other matchups in the Western Conference where the Lakers uh, are favored with play, playing Gasol over Drummond. You think about the Clipper, I mean, or even maybe even Zubox. You you could say Zubox. Um, you would you would like the matchup with Marcus Hall and Zubox, but um, down the stretch in the final you know key portions of the game, Zubox isn't going to be in the game um, against you know guys like Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton. You kind of want Drummond on them instead of Marcus Hall. Right. Uh, guy, guys like you know Porzingis and you know Draymond Green with, with the Warriors, or even Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Memphis Grizzlies, if they're even even able to get in you probably want some better foot speed with Drummond rather than Gasol. So it's really all about matchups, kind of the same thing with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, right. kind of how they didn't play for an entire series. And then you get uh, Dwight to come in the Western Conference Finals and completely irritate and shut down Jokic based on the level of production that he had in the playoffs prior to the, that Western Conference Final series. So I, you know, it's a little bit of both, but I just, it's a good problem for Vogel to have. And we still haven't even mentioned somebody like Trez who, has been playing very well and very consistently and, you know, is really buying into his role. And last thing about Gasol as well, he really has bought into his role on the team and you can see it because he's getting more comfortable with his teammates and 
he's had more continuity and more time with them. So that way he feels more comfortable in the offense and where to assert himself, even though he's collected DNP CDs for X amount of games out of a certain amount of games, but still comes in plus 17 and 17 minutes and gets the job done. Uh, A true consummate professional, one who Jokic even complimented and said, Hey, he's the defensive player of the year previously for a reason. So good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mark is, is, I understand he's not what he was in Memphis, but he could still be a good player in short spurts, limited off the bench, put him out there with Kuzma. Clearly Kuzma enjoys playing with him. Fine. Let's, let's put those two guys out there in the same unit, especially now with LeBron out you, it's definitely going to help to have that secondary playmaker who's going to make a lot more good decisions than poor decisions. Because let's be honest, Caruso makes a lot of bonehead plays as a primary playmaker. And he, by the way, in the third quarter against the Nuggets, three turnovers early in that third quarter that led to six points for Denver. THT is not a legitimate playmaker as far as creating for other guys. He more or less gets tunnel vision at times. He's 20 years old. What do you expect? He's going, he's going to go out there to attack the basket, try to finish, try to get fouled. And then occasionally, if he sucks in secondary and, and third defenders, then he can maybe find an open man and find a shooter. But uh, it would be nice to see, especially in short minutes in that second quarter with guys like Kuzma, KCP, some of the other guys that you mentioned. Uh, I think a Marcus Saul, along with that unit, kind of running that unit, would really be uh, beneficial to everybody. But Drummond, I'm not ready to discard him. I, I just think he's trying too hard. I think he's forcing it. I think he's uncomfortable at times. And when you're uncomfortable, Chaz, you tend to overcompensate. You're sometimes not as aggressive. And at times when he has been aggressive, guess what? It's leading to fouls. So now you're in foul trouble. You're either sitting down or you can't do what you want to do to make an impact. So that's an area Drummond has to clean up. But it's good to know that you have somebody like Marcus Saul that you could insert out there and you're going to get some sort of production on most nights. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have a consummate professional in Marcus Saul. And I just love the fact that we have the versatility and you can kind of pick and choose. Um, Drummond gave back the Lakers, like Nick Hamilton said, the versatility that they lacked this year going back right. to last year. So um, now Vogel has that great problem again and he can mix and match and, take a look at matchups and certain runs and different times and drought and, and things of that nature and implement who he needs um, on a need to know basis. So I just love the fact that we, as the Lakers are moving in the right direction, I should say in terms of getting our guys back, we're not as down bad as we were um, even a couple nights ago. I, after that, Den, uh, that Raptors loss mm. where Kyle Lowry just kind of hit everything and Siakam was just doing everybody up. Um, and AD was just, you know, like you said, just taking it on the chin without even giving it back to the Raptors AD, in any sense. AD, if you remember, uh, Pedro Martinez, sorry to interrupt, but AD should have given that sort of post game reaction. You know, I just bend over and call the Yankees my daddy. He should have yeah. said it like that. Like, I'm just going to bend over and call Siakam and Lowry and the Raptors my daddy because that's exactly. I got whooped like a child that night. And hopefully he does some, uh, this is a chance for AD. I really thought there was going to, like this week was going to be like a week for the Lakers with LeBron and AD back mm-hmm. um, for them to like kind of make the statement like they made that weekend against the Clippers and the Bucks, 
right before the shutdown. I thought this was going to be that kind of statement week weekend mm-hmm. against the, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Portland Trailblazers, the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. just to say, yo, hold up. We still got the big dogs back and we can still smack you guys at any time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the case this week. It's still a possibility because of the four games that I just mentioned, the Lakers have already won one of them with three of them left to go. And this is why you play the game. So we'll be watching and I'm excited for the next couple games, this next three, four game stretch. I'm particularly looking at AD and the defensive schemes. I'm not looking really at anything else. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that we can play good. AD's moving good and that we're working on our defense and playing well, because at the end of the day, I said this on the post game, the Lakers are not going to fall to the nine or the 10 seed with seven games left to play being up a game in the sixth seed. They're in the sixth seed now because the Dallas Mavericks won uh, on Tuesday night. So ultimately the Lakers can't fall down to the ninth seed. And if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are at least 85% or more each, I like the Lakers chances more than anybody else to win one game. It's really only one game you have to worry about if you're the seven or eight seed because you're going to play, I'm sorry, the seven or, or nine seed. Um, you only have to win one game or as a seven seed, you only have to win one game in order to, you know, clinch that seven yeah. seed or the eight seed to, to make sure that you enter the playoff. So but, but as long as, yeah, if you could avoid that though. Yeah. If, if, if you could avoid that, then, then great, but it's not the worst thing in the world because ultimately with the lack of continuity and the lack of time that the Lakers have had together with having so many guys in and out of the lineup, a play, the play one play in game or two play in games uh, with a little bit of added pressure kind of gets you ready for playoff mode and, and gets the Lakers a, a few more reps before the big boy seven game first round series starts. So, um, you know, either way, I like the Lakers chances, but if you can avoid it, um, then definitely do so. And the Lakers are in the prime position uh, to do that being up a game on the six seat with six games to play while still having at least one of those games uh, to play against somebody who's vying for that same spot in the Portland Trailblazers. Very good points. And you know what? You want to just uh, close the book on Marcus Saul and his impressive performance against Denver. I love that he referenced Harvey Keitel's iconic Winston Wolf character in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is one of my all-time favorite movies. I got a lot of favorite movies. I love classic. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a classic and, Harvey Keitel nails it. I always thought Harvey Keitel was such an underrated actor. And the fact that Marcus Saul tried to create that same situation, like, Hey, I'm like Winston Wolf, man. I'm, I'm a fixer. I come in and I solve problems. <laughs> Hi, uh, yep. you're, uh, you're, you're Jimmy. This is your house. Uh, yeah, I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. Oh, good. Cause you got oh, one. Yeah. So I've heard, can I come in? You must be Jules, which would make you Vincent. Let's get down the brass tacks, uh, gentlemen. If I was informed correctly, the clock is ticking. Am I right, Jimmy? Uh, 100% Mr. Wolf. Your wife, Bonnie, is due home at eight uh, at 9.30 in the a.m.? That's correct. I was told uh, that if she came home and found us here, she wouldn't like it none too much. No. That leaves us approximately 40 minutes to get the F out of Dodge, which if you do what I say, uh, when I say it, should be plenty. Now you got a corpse in a car, minus a head in the garage. Take me to it. Good stuff, man. <laughs> man, this guy scene, knows man. This, this guy knows his Pulp Fiction. Not on, not only his movie references. I can't wait. I can't wait to plug this ver- this point of the pod. Um, <laughs> damn, what were we even talking about? That was so well, good. Well, we we're um, finishing up with Marcus Saul. Ne- so <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. The, the the fixer, the fixer. The fixer. Um, yeah, I I, 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 lo- I, I, lo- I just love his his 
his tenacity and the way he's locked in right now. So um, he's hungry. Somebody else's tenacity that I that I love when they are are 100 percent is currently the best player in the world in LeBron James, who was dealing with a bum ankle at 36 years old, coming off of the shortest layoff that he has ever had in between not only a season, but a championship season going down to literally the last game played in the year to a quick turnaround. And he's dealing with, as Woj reported on Tuesday, that the Lakers are resting LeBron and he's not going to play against the Clippers or the Trailblazers. Uh, he is experiencing um, not being able to make hard cuts, not being able to explode. And it's pretty clear and evident that he's just not right mm. overall. And he m- mentioned the fact that he, you know, with no practice time and the Lakers are only having less than 15 practices for the entire season, you know, you don't have time to really test out an ankle in three on three or five on five. So you have to use some of these games to kind of test it out. And he admitted that he may have came back a little early because you just don't have, you know, I had to, I had to try it at some point and, he tried it and it just wasn't there. And quite frankly, it's going it's not going to be there. The question becomes now with the with the Lakers and with only having seven games left and fighting for, like we said, to stay out of the play in. Seven games left. Uh, he's going to miss at least two of them for sure. Right. Does LeBron miss and rest the final five games of the season on top of the other two that he's already planning on missing? I think right now it's more day to day. It's it's clear that he was not 100%, although he didn't look bad to me. That's the thing. There were some things that I thought, okay, he wasn't maybe as explosive, but the guy also missed six weeks. So we're just like what we were saying with AD. It's a long time to be out and come back and be thwarted back into competitive basketball again and try to pick up exactly where you left off before you got injured. So when I heard that, it was a re-aggravated injury. No, I think it's general soreness. I think there's something there that may not be 100%. So, I, but I don't think it was a re-aggravation because Chaz, we would have seen something. Exactly. Right? We got some, we got some, we got some misreporting on that. I believe right. between Bill Orham and Dave McMiniman, Dave McMiniman reported it as a re-aggravation. Bill Orham reported it as just uh, a sore ankle. I think it's more so in the lines of just being sore and him realizing that it hurts he's having sharp pains when he makes certain movements it's not consistent and throbbing and all throughout as he takes a step every single time he takes a step but when he makes certain movements it gives him that jolt and he's smart enough in years 18 now to know yo i gotta shut it down or i gotta take it easy or i gotta you know overcompensate for this and that yeah i gotta give myself some more time and i mean obviously here was the thing I'm all about the continuity, the reps. We talked about the lack of practice time already. This would have been an ideal stretch to get some reps in with Drummond, AD, and LeBron, along with Schroeder and others all at the same time. But now you're not only down LeBron, you're down Schroeder as well. So those are two key components of your offense. Those are your playmakers. Those are your, that's kind of like your driving force. And with a spot still not secured, a tough stretch like you talked about this weekend, with um, with the Clippers on Thursday night, back-to-back heading up north to Portland, who they've been up and down. They haven't exactly been juggernauts, but still, they always give the Lakers a hard time. We know this. And then Phoenix, who've beaten the Lakers twice already this season. Granted, they've been shorthanded, but they're going to be shorthanded again. So this is not an easy stretch, even with an impressive win like Denver, as we've seen a shorthanded Lakers group hasn't consistently been able to win two consecutive games, two games in a row. And it's certainly going to be difficult to do it this time around. Now the Clippers 
have been struggling. I know they dug out a win uh, Tuesday night against the Toronto Raptors, uh, but that came that came down to the wire. That snapped a three-game skid, but they're starting to get healthy, at least from the star end with uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but they're still down Beverly and, and Ibaka. And once again, just like with Portland, just like with everybody else, they are going to get up for the Lakers. They don't care who's out there. If they see the Lakers on the schedule, they see the defending champs, they're going to come out there. But as far as LeBron, going back to the original question, should LeBron sit out the rest of the season? My answer is going to stay the same. If you're not 100%, don't play. But don't not play because you're trying to rest up for the playoffs. Sit out. If you're, if you're feeling sharp pains, cutting, and you don't feel uh, like, like yourself, that's fine. But don't just sit out because it's the prudent thing to do because we don't know where you're going to end up at. I would say if you could come back the last three games of the season, that would be fine. That should be enough reps. So I, that's just me. I don't think I would bubble wrap LeBron, but I'm, I'm old school. You're healthy. You play. You don't, uh, if you're not healthy, you don't play simple as that. Too much on the line for him to play too much on the line. It's just too much on the line on that ankle. That is a championship. That is not a million dollar ankle. That's not a $10 million ankle. That is a hundred million dollar ankle by itself. You rest it and you wait until that thing is ready to go because it's not just going to be a few games that he plays on it. It is going to be four seven game series that we are going to need to bring home a chip, which is a minimum, even if you sweep all of them, a minimum of 16 games. When we know the Lakers are not sweeping nobody this year, <laughs> they'll be lucky to advance. They're not sweep, yeah, they're not to sweeping stay out of the, you know, they ain't they're not sweeping them. nobody. So yeah. you're thinking, you're thinking series are going, and I don't even think, look, this whole Lakers and five thing that we was talking about last year, not happening. Every single series that the Lakers play, assuming they get into the playoffs and don't lose in the play-in, is going to go six or seven games. It's going to be one of those types of years. So you rest the guy. Okay. You put you put your eggs in the basket in the fact that and trust in the fact that you know that he's going to be rested and that there's going to be less of a chance for him to re-aggravate that injury, which hopefully he didn't. And he's going to be more ready to go than he would be if he's playing against the Indiana Pacers or the Houston Rockets or the New Orleans Pelicans in the I final three games saying, of the hold season on, hold like on. you're talking about. No, no, no. Hold on. You're, you're misunderstanding that. I'm saying it would be nice to get some reps in considering that if you clinch one of these top six seeds anywhere from four to six, which is still possible, I don't. I think the first three seeds – are already locked up. It's going to be some combination of Utah, Phoenix, and and the Clippers. More than likely, it's and, four and, is gone. Four, four yeah, is gone. Yeah, four. Okay, so four is gone too. So basically, it's it's five or six or bust, right? Or if, seven. If, if right, but if you could avoid that play-in and and you could lock up one of those two spots, and it hinges on potentially winning those last few games, and LeBron is okay and well enough to play the, the, the sharp pains are gone. He's able to turn the corner. He's able to feel a little bit closer to himself and you could get that extra week of rest and practice and preparation. That is significant right there. All I'm saying is keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. I get it. But the Lakers, all the Lakers have to do in order to avoid the play in is 
go play 500 basketball over the course of the last seven games of the season with one of those wins being against Portland. If you can at least play 500 ball and beat Portland, you'll, you won't need you. You'll, you will have rested LeBron from the time from this past Sunday all the way until what the 23rd of May, which is, which gives him essentially another three weeks on top of the six weeks that he just, just got. I think that is more valuable than playing him and still there's no guarantee that you're, that you're not going to avoid the plan, even if you do play him. So True. the worst case, the worst case scenario is that he plays reaggravates and you still end up in the plan. That to me, that to me would be worse than him not playing and then still falling into the plan, falling into the plan with a healthy LeBron rather than trying to, avoid the play-in, and then LeBron re-aggravates it, and now you're still stuck in the play-in minus LeBron. I, right. I, 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 no, I hear what you're saying, and that's a great point, but I I'm I would say still, if he is healthy enough to play, put him out there. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I got you. All I'm saying is he came back, and the two games that he's been back, we lost both of them against Sacramento and Toronto. Agreed. Agreed. Clearly, he was on 100%, even though he, didn't, no guarantee. Look, he didn't look terrible but he clearly wasn't hundred percent. So we'll leave it at that. But I would just like to see if this team could build on something. They haven't been able to build on anything and it's been frustrating to watch it. They they've had no problem losing multiple games in a row, but winning multiple games in a row has, has clearly been uh, an issue for this team. And now it's the, the task coming up to this weekend, three out of the next four against playoff teams, uh, one that's chasing you, the other two that would love nothing more than to add to your woes. It's going to be tough, man. Not let me just say, stretch. Let me just say this before we close out. This sounds doesn't sound like too much to ask for, but I think with Anthony Davis and the squad that we have, minus LeBron James and minus Schroeder, the Lakers can still at least pull off an, an every other game win. So they beat Denver. Let's say they lose to the Clippers, beat Portland, lose to Phoenix, beat the Knicks. You could even lose to Houston on on banner night, but beat Indiana and lose to to the New Orleans Pelicans. And that's how they end the season. They'll still avoid the play in in that scenario. So we're not asking for much. All we're asking for is 500 ball, beat Portland, avoid the play in, get LeBron an extra two weeks of rest on top of the six weeks that that he's already gotten. Luckily, he didn't re-aggravate it. It's still just, it's sore. It still needs some time. He had to test it out. And ultimately, that's the route I'd like to take. But either way, I'm going to trust the man. He's been playing in the 18 years in the league, four, four-time NBA champion, all the accolades in the world. I'm going to trust him. So whatever okay. he decides, and I'm sure Rob Palenka would feel the same exact way um, when asked that question. And Frank Vogel. Well, like ZZ Top once said, I ain't asking for much. I said, Lord, take me downtown. I'm just looking for some tush. Okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll end it on that. But Man, instead of tush, fire we'll, tonight. we'll substitute tush for wins. I'm just looking for some wins. I said, Lord, yeah. take me downtown. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm not going to sing as easy top. All right. Good stuff, my friend. Good be, being back out here with you on the Showtime Forum podcast. Really good stuff here today. Um, that's gonna about do it for us. You're back on the post game show, which makes yes, sir. which makes and it feels and great. John, and yeah, reunited with Devon, and it feels so good. Me and Jonathan get get brought back to halftime, which is great on on Instagram Live. Uh, so 
what is that like? I, just, just real quick, uh, real quick. You've done it a couple games now. What has that been like, man? Dealing with all it's the angry n- fans. It, it's nostalgic to be honest, because they know I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm spitting nothing but facts and I'm actually changing people's minds and shout out Scott Kaplan who tweeted at me or at the show uh, the other night and agrees with the exact point that I just made about LeBron resting. So uh, love shout out to Kaplan 710 guys. Um, Shout out Bergman as well. And, oh, for uh, sure. Always I, shout out Bergman. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to ending the season. My, our damn Dodgers cannot get it together. Oh, that's another right that's another story right now, man. By the way, Dodgers, after their 13-2 and two start, they have now the worst record in baseball Tw- since that. 12. 13. They've lost 12 over the last 16. 16. Yep. Yeah. Can't, and by the way, just secured their fourth straight series loss. But we're not going to get into that. Uh, there's enough. There's enough with the Lakers to keep us busy right now. So. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on the Showtime Forum podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. On Twitter, remember, it's at Showtime underscore form. Instagram, all the streaming platforms, at Showtime Forum, wherever you get your podcasts. You could also follow me, at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter, CCamelo1 on Instagram, as well as uh, Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. Chaz, where can they follow you at, my friend? You guys know where to get at me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson on Instagram at Chaz Pete. What about you, Chris? Well, yeah, you guys know where to find me. I'm all over the place. In the words of Robert De Niro from Meet the Parents, I'm everywhere, Fokker. <laughs> these shoes. All over these shoes. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, everyone. Laker Nation, be healthy, be safe out there. Uh, hopefully they, they will fare well this weekend and do what they've been doing for the last two months and that's tread water so take care everybody thanks for joining us laker nation we're almost at that finish line of the regular season so we'll see how it turns out take care everybody